Hi, my name is Lesha Bouchak, and I'm a senior reporter at MMM. I'm super excited to be part of today's sponsored podcast with 81QD. Here with me today is Susan Abadi, Chief Strategy Officer at 81QD. As biopharma companies uh, change their investment, how will HCPs change their approach to Twitter? And Bob Gabrick, Managing Director at 81QD. I think very soon we're going to start to see some decision points on how far we go in terms of that digital and virtual communication and engagement. We're going to chat about three for 2023 trends that will define HCP engagement in 2023. We'll delve into how amid tighter budgets, increased policy pressures, and shifting treatment dynamics, engagement with HCPs will evolve within 2023 and beyond. Susan and Bob are here to provide some insights on how players in the space can succeed given the current environment. Hi, Susan and Bob. Great to have you here. Thank you, Alicia. So let's dive right in. What are some of the key environmental trends impacting biopharma in 2023? Great. So before we get into um, some of the big things that we see happening in 2023, I think it's really important to understand the microenvironment pressures that are driving those actions. So these are certainly not new pressures. They've been around for a little while. However, what we're seeing in 2023 already is biopharmaceutical companies acting with urgency and directly to address these issues. Uh, the first one is unfavorable economics. I think everybody knows uh, by now the Fed has uh, increased interest rates. Investors are a bit spooked. And candidly, it's hard to raise capital uh, to make investments in, in uh, businesses. And there's also pricing pressures that have come about through government intervention and uh, growth uh, in power of the commercial payers. Again, not new trends per se, but certainly driving a different way of thinking about uh, how to approach the business. Another key pressure is the uh, changes in the healthcare delivery uh, approach, uh, some of which were brought on a few years ago or accelerated a few years ago with COVID. For example, the virtualization of activities such as physician-patient interaction, physician-physician interactions, as well as physician-biopharma interactions. And then what we're also seeing is non-physician stakeholders taking an even more active participation in the healthcare uh, of patients. And, and I'm uh, talking about nurse practitioners, physician assistants, and others that are really directly involved with patient care. A third pressure is actually an opportunity. It's about meeting the needs of patients in more targeted specialty markets. Uh, for example, oncology and rare diseases. Uh, the cost of care for these patients uh, in the specialty markets has risen substantially and has now gotten the attention of uh, payers. Plus, many of the key unmet needs uh, in, in diseases with very large patient populations have been met. So there's a really important need to pivot. Again, the macro environment trends are not new, but it's important to understand the context of where we are. 
Some of these economic pressures you mentioned have certainly been felt throughout the industry all the way down to the patient. So I'm curious if you have insights on what it'll take biopharma to succeed in this environment. What will biopharma do differently in 2023 in responding to these trends? To address some of those other microenvironment uh, pressures that I mentioned earlier, we're also seeing a shift in dollars from traditional uh, commercial activities to non-traditional commercial activities, as well as budgets growing for HEOR work, as well as uh, scientific activities. So I, I think the fact that you're not only seeing uh, uh, budgets uh, being squeezed, but you're also seeing that reallocation, that has a pretty big implication on operations of a business. Yes, Bob, definitely. I mean, I think one of the things we are seeing is really that change in the stakeholder engagement model um, and thinking through in who we engage with uh, as biopharma, how we engage uh, and how we look at engagement, how we assess it. And so to Bob's point around that, there's some of those shifts from the more commercial activities to some of the um, non-traditional activities. One of the, the challenges that biopharma is, is facing in this environment is is looking at the market access environment. We know with the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, there are changes around how drugs will be covered, which drugs will be covered, and, and access levels. And there's increasing pressure. Uh, and while historically the focus had been very much on, uh, from a payer marketing perspective, working directly with with payers, um, and, and obviously continue to do that, more and more of uh, companies are saying, well, let's understand what's What's influencing payer decisions? Let's understand uh, some of the other criteria that are going into uh, market access decision making. And that includes things like HUR, as noted, some of the broader scientific uh, activities, but also understanding who are the HCPs that payers look to uh, when they're making decisions uh, and how they make these decisions. Understand, um, are these the academic you know, thought leaders that we've known, or are they different people? Um, and what we're we found is that it does vary. Uh, it varies. Some of the thought leaders who are on the, you know, the conference circuit may not be on the, the payer circuit, if you will. Uh, and we're seeing that uh, focus and to understand who are the people that are in that macro ecosystem within a, a payer organization uh, that we can engage with. And and similar to that, in terms of you know thinking about different stakeholders uh, to to engage with. I'd say this is more of a, an evolution than a revolution, definitely increasing focus on nurse practitioners. Uh, we're seeing uh, that the interest, uh, the need, I mean, the pure need, but also the, um, the impact of engaging with nurse practitioners would definitely increase as there are an increasing number of nurse practitioners, but also when we look at um, just the, the role they're playing in terms of holding hospital privileges, we're seeing 96 percent actually prescribing medications. And and biopharma is, is waking up to that, um, waking up to the fact that we are expecting an, um, a surge in the number of, of uh, nurse practitioners, around 46% increase expected between 2021 and 2031. Um, and that's faster than, I think, I think from the, the latest, the stats I saw, faster than any other occupation um, in the U.S. And so as nurse practitioners uh, take that center stage, um, as more and more reporting payments for you know CMS, um, we we are seeing uh, biopharma think about how do we engage in different ways. And so, as noted, this 
is more of that evolution because we have been engaging with nurse practitioners. Um, but the question is, what can we do differently going forward? And how, what type of medical education are they looking for? What are the types of peer-to-peer programming that will be most effective uh, now that we have nurse practitioners taking up, you know, almost 40% of prescribing for some brands? Yeah, one thing I uh, want to jump in and mention is bring us back to the context of this because the HCP engagement models, uh, including MPs, PAs, engagement with them, it's evolving, but it's in the context of cut budgets. So being able to innovate and engage in different ways is a major challenge uh, to the pharmaceutical industry. It's not like you can take investment dollars and throw it there. Instead, you're, you're having to reallocate what you do to more effective ways of mm-hmm. engaging. Oh, that's a great point, Bob. I think, you know, back to, you know, to your point around the effective ways of engagement, that's another thing we're seeing as a trend in is understanding what does effective mean? Uh, how do we measure that, right? What is effective uh, over time, uh, particularly on medical communications, but in general, peer-to-peer, uh, we've often looked at activity. How many uh, programs are we conducting? Uh, how many touch points have we had? But what we're seeing more and more is that question that Bob mentioned, and particularly in that context of tighter budgets, what is effective? Uh, and how can we develop a measurement plan for our medical communications, for our peer-to-peer, for our HCP engagement that is something that we can track, that is driving towards that effectiveness, obviously within a, you know, within compliance. So we're not going to uh, go over any compliance hurdles there, uh, but making sure that within this world of reallocated budgets, tighter, um, just tighter budgets overall, what is the right type of programming? And so what we're, we're doing quite a bit of, and we're seeing our, our clients really look at is developing different types of dashboards that look at HCP engagements in different ways that measure things like sentiment, uh, that measure things like impact uh, across peer-to-peer and digital channels and really pull those things together and say, how should we engage? How should we segment differently? Uh, and what types of things should we actually invest in? And another uh, final point here on this, and this is just something we see that's very specific. Um, for a while now, people have been talking about next best action, right? So the best way to engage in HCP is to be able to serve up to them through the right channel at the right time, the right content. And um, that's fine, but that's been mostly applied in commercial. When you're dealing with cross-functional engagement needs, whether it's medical or commercial, the thinking around next best action as a commercial application, um, that's just is insufficient at this point. It has to be thought of as what is the next best action of the biopharma organization engaging their stakeholders. And that's something we, um, it's early on, but we're seeing a lot more clients think in that way in terms of how do you provide the best information and and services uh, to their stakeholders, both patients and HCPs. These are all great points. And, you know, I wanted to highlight your, your one point about the growing role of nurse practitioners in the healthcare system and how that'll change HCP engagement. You know, this is something I've been hearing a lot about recently. So it's certainly a trend uh, we'll be paying attention to. But looking further into the future, um, what are some open questions to watch in 2023 and beyond? One of the things that we're continuing to watch is the uh, digital evolution. Um, we will often say that we're in like you know, HCP digital engagement, you know, version 4.0, right? We've gone through 
the uh, COVID years, we've, uh, in terms of everything, you know, going um, digital, where at that time, digital platforms became incredibly important, right? So we, we've seen the emergence of the digital thought leader. We've seen increasing investment um, in terms of digital tactics. Um, and then we've also seen changes in the digital environment, um, particularly social media, when you have, you know, definite shakeups uh, within um, particularly things like, you know, with Twitter. Uh, and so we've, We've seen biopharma companies change that investment strategy. Uh, and the question is, what will happen over the next year? Uh, I always ask, you know, is there life beyond Twitter? Uh, so as biopharma companies uh, change their investment, how will HCPs change their approach to Twitter? Today, um, when we've talked to HCPs that are digital thought leaders, as well as HCPs that, are, that use social media um, to access information, which I would argue is really the majority from the studies we've seen, uh, they say that they're still looking at things like Twitter. They're still going to Twitter uh, to understand what uh, what their peers are saying, to understand um, you know trends uh, within the landscape. Um, but we also know that there are other forms such as you know, obviously LinkedIn, which is definitely increasing their closed networks, uh, Sermo proximity. Will we see more and more HCPs really move there uh, with as where they look for? For information, or will we, you know, continue to see Twitter maintain um, really that stronghold, but and then continue to see this breadth uh, across the markets? So I would say that's definitely something that uh, we're looking at. We have seen, and really monitoring, particularly, you know, LinkedIn. Yeah, hey Susan, that's a really great point. Uh, and and why is it wait and see? I think is kind of a follow up question. Well, I I, I remember back um, it was over twenty years ago. And I read a white paper by a very uh, prestigious um, uh, strategy consulting company that basically um, predicted that sales forces um, by now were, would be gone, that the uh, information available virtually and the ability to, you know, easily seek information um, from digital sources would take away the need for sales reps. Well, fast forward to today, um, that hasn't happened, right? Have we cut back sales forces significantly? Yes. Um, but we also see the need for personal engagement, whether it's uh, sales forces, whether it's uh, MSLs, whether it's um, other uh, field reps, whether it's peer-to-peer interactions between doctors, uh, you know, in person. Uh, so there's still a need there. And, and that's why it's kind of wait and see, because there hasn't really been this perfect storm of macro environment issues that have um, catalyzed the need to basically go digital fully. So in, at the end of the day, it's the customer who's going to dictate that and whether the technologies are available uh, to service the HCPs and patients. And so um, I, I think it, very soon we're going to start to see some decision points on how, how far we go in terms of that uh, digital and, and virtual communication and, and engagement. Um, and then I think the last thing uh, from a, you know, the wait and see is uh, health equity, you know, discussions around health equity have definitely increased. And we're excited to see that. We're excited to see um, that the the, bio, the biopharma market is very much focusing on terms of how can we address uh, some challenges and particularly ensuring that, you know, groups that have been under 
represented within whether it's clinical trials, whether it's times of engagement are are being um have access, have access to the clinical trials, are being reached out to, um, and also in terms of actual care. Um, but the question is, you know, are we moving from to real true health empowerment? You know, will we see uh, as we look back, you know, after year year two, will we see real shifts? Um, will we see those changes in terms of clinical trial recruitment? Will we see those changes in terms of access to care? Um, in terms of including that patient early in that process and including that di- a diverse group of patients across socioeconomic status, across you know different underrepresented groups, will we see that um, really change? Uh, because we know that people are working hard. We know there's been a you know there's a the 2023 uh, bill, um, omnibus spending bill that actually said that diversity action plans should be included in clinical trials for any you know phase three clinical trials. But what will really happen, you know, and will this be much more of a lip service or really that true health empowerment? Uh, but we're encouraged by so much work that's being done. And we're looking into terms of how do we ensure that we are able to um, support that types of engagement? Absolutely. And we'll definitely be interested in seeing how some of these things you've you've discussed today play out in the next few years. Thank you so much, Susan and Bob. This discussion has really helped break down the outlook for 2023 when it comes to HCP engagement and how brands can leverage some of these trends to succeed. I hope you enjoy today's podcast with Susan Abadi, Chief Strategy Officer at 81QD, and Bob Gabrick, Managing Director at 81QD. And it was a terrific conversation. Many thanks for listening. Come back soon for another one. This is Lesha Bouchak for the m M&M and Podcast. Take care.